0: I appreciate what the young people's desires are in their heart. They have a desire and I want to see that desire met. Whatever I can do, young people, I'm in your corner. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, I will not keep you long. Amen. I just believe the Lord just want to say something to our heart and give us something to hold on to over the rest of the day, throughout tomorrow and As long as you will hold on to it. God wants to say something to your heart this morning. Jeremiah 29. Amen. Smartphones. Tablets. Overhead. Your Bible. Somebody said there's coming a day when a Bible is going to seem is going to be worth some money. Like real money. Because there won't be a whole lot of them available. Because we just allowed electronics to just do its thing. And so now we rely on electronics and we don't take up a physical Bible anymore. Thank God for the Word of God. I can touch it. The physical Bible. It is different holding on to a Bible than a phone or a tablet. It's, It's just different. This is a sacred book. Amen. Again... Welcome everybody. Where's Sister Lisa? Sister Lisa, I saw her. Sister Lisa, good to see you. We've been praying for you, and you know we're in your corner, baby. Amen. Amen. When you heard, I heard. And um, we know this has just been a tough time for you. But you stick close, and we will make sure we go through it together. We'll do whatever we can. To help you through this tough, tough time you have to deal with. Amen. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Verse 11 says this. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sunday, June 18th at the service we will be doing a ministry training so if you're an usher, greeter, audiovisual, whatever you do in the church, we'll have a training for you. We want to make sure everybody's properly trained, equipped and know what they're doing and understand their job. So don't forget that keep it in mind that will be right after service and we'll do it. Make sure everyone is on the same page there. Today I want to entitle the message of the Lord, there is an expected end. There is an expected end. Tell your neighbor, there is an expected end. There is. That's what the Lord says here, to give you an expected end. That's what the Lord is saying unto us. He wants to give us an expected end. I'm gonna go and divert a little bit before I get back to this. In Matthew chapter 34, chapter 24, verse 34, it says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things shall be fulfilled. We talked about this a little bit Thursday night about a generation. And we asked, did anybody know what the Bible lay out as a generation? How many years is a generation? And how many years is a generation, did we say? 70 years is a generation. So if you get a chance to live for 70 years, you've lived a whole generation. That's what God calls a generation, 70 years. And so in Matthew, where the scripture says, this generation shall not pass, it was talking about the children of Israel. And he's saying that that generation will not pass. That 70 years will not pass. Until we see the end. Which is the coming of the Lord. The question is. When did the clock started ticking. For that 70 year. To be accomplished. And we don't know. Some scholars believe the clock started ticking in 1948 because Israel was scattered all over the world for many years. In 1948, they came back to their country, came back to their land and became a nation again. But we don't know if it's 48 or 68 that it's been established that they are now a a nation again and who they are. Nobody really knows that. Only God knows when His clock started ticking. The point is, if you go from forty-eight to two thousand eighteen, you get seventy years. If you go, uh, um, if you go from sixty-eight to what is that that38, no, Two thousand thirty-eight, you, you get seventy. The point is, we don't know where we are in that because God is the one that keeps that clock ticking, not man. And so I can't tell you exactly what it is. My point is, we are at a close, close time of the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is showing us that all that he said would happen before he returned, we can see a lot of those things happening now. We don't know when his return will be, if it will be today, tomorrow, next week, a year from now, 20 years from now. We don't know. But what we do know is his return is imminent. And he's coming back. And he's coming back for a people that is in right relationship with him. And so our responsibility as his people, because we're all his people, some have chosen... To be obedient and be in right relationship. And some have chosen to do what they feel. But nevertheless, he's coming back for those that are in obedience. I say this all the time. That when your children get old enough, if they disrespect you and they don't listen to you, guess what? You put them out. That's what we do. If they get old enough and they start disrespecting you and don't listen to you, they got to go. That's what we do. And so why would the Lord be any different? That we want to live a rebellious life against him. That we want to live however we feel, but he's supposed to still allow us to go to heaven. Don't make a whole lot of sense. And so the return of the Lord is imminent. God says an expected end. This portion of scripture was written by Jeremiah to the people of God who were in captivity due to their rebellion in God. Can I tell you this? When you're going through a situation, and nine times out of ten the situation we're going through, we brought it on ourselves. Nine times out of ten. I didn't say ten times out of ten. Nine times out of ten we brought the situation on ourselves. Let's not complain. Let's let, let, let's let's not allow that situation to take us out of the game because of what we're going through. Just understand nine times out of ten I, I'm here because I I made some decisions that wasn't what the Lord wanted for my life, and so I ended up in this situation. But it's not because I should have been, I ended up because of the decisions that I made. Ten percent of the time. We're going through a situation because the Lord has something in that situation to teach us. But I said that's 10% of the time. So 90% of the time, that's the situation is our situation. So when you're going through a situation, don't you complain or blame. The situation is the situation. You just have to stop and think and know, I've got to go. This is why murmuring to God is a sin. Complaining is a sin. You don't believe me? Moses started complaining and God took him out of here. So if our position with God is constant complaining, you know what you're saying to God? What I'm dealing with, you can't help me. And that's why I'm complaining
1: you're saying God I'm going through this and you can't help me
0: so I'm just going to complain but if you know who God is when you're going through the only thing you say is God just show me what you need me to know in the situation when you're going through you're going to say God I know I made some mess here and I know you'll clean up the mess but there's some things I just need to deal with because I can I made this mess you just got to tell it to them and just keep going but the blaming and complaining don't make sense you're just wasting your breath so Jeremiah wrote to God's people because they caused their own captivity if you go through scripture you'll see God's people always went into bondage and captivity because they decided to do what they want and disobey what God wanted Every time we decide this is what I want, because this is how I feel. One day I'm going to preach a message about our feelings. Because feelings in this hour is ruling and controlling us. But that's not what I'm here to preach about today. But God told Jeremiah, prophesied to the people, Jeremiah, and let them know what's going on. They're in captivity because of their rebellion, but it doesn't mean they're going to stay in that captivity. Understand this. We usually cause our own problems and captivity by the decisions we make or we don't make. Mainly by doing what we want as opposed to what God wants. But the good news is I'm here today to help you. To help you in whatever situation you're dealing with right now. God is Sent me by to help you. The scripture says, God's thoughts towards us are good. It doesn't matter, Brother D, what the trials are, what the situation is that you're going through. God's thought towards you is good. And oftentimes, we're going through a situation that's just challenging and grievous and sometimes painful and sometimes just, 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 just hurtful and we're going through it and we begin to judge God on what we're going through. Thinking that somehow I must be wrong. Somehow I must be in sin. Somehow something
1: is wrong while I'm going through this. But I'm here to tell you today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation is. God, thoughts towards you are good.
0: It don't look like it. Ask your children when you beat them. Ask them that. You were whipping their tail, and they were mad at you under their breath, saying they hate you, and you oh look. <laughs> Pascal said, yep. And she's sitting next to her mom. But she was under her breast saying, mom, I hate you. But you know, especially when you grow up, that your mom had good thoughts towards you. She didn't beat you because she was evil. She didn't beat you because she didn't love you. She beat you and still had good thoughts towards you. Well, we got to know that God, no matter what we're struggling in, no matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult the situation, it doesn't matter. God has good thoughts towards you. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. God his thoughts towards us are good. God thinks of you and has a plan for you. Just think about that for a second. The infinite God whose thoughts are
1: high above our thoughts. The Bible says as the heavens above the earth so is his thoughts higher than ours and
0: if his thoughts is that much higher than ours he should think so much different than us
1: but at the end of the day he's thinking about us
0: can we tap into the secret that we just want to overlook there is nothing more important in life than relationship about four come on and yes and amen there is nothing more important than relationship. The, the the infinite, omnipotent, sovereign God is saying as great as I am. I created the universe by speaking everything into existence. I'm almighty. I know your mind. I even know the hair on your head by number. Even when you cut them off, I knew what the number was when the hair came off your head. That God is thinking about you and me. Every awakening second. Amen. Just think about that. Can't he
1: think about something better? can he do something better? Can't he find something more productive to do than think about you? Wow, wow,
0: wow, wow, wow. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Zoe said, yeah, yeah. Well... I think he's trying to show us something as great as he is, as powerful as he is. You are more important to him than everything else he can do. There is
1: nothing more important to God than his relationship with you. And so if that's true for God, what should it be for me and
0: you? Come on, somebody work with me this morning. Work with me this morning and
1: understand what this God thing is all about. Nothing is more important. Satan, when
0: he met God, when God came out in the wilderness and he met God, he said, all this kingdom, come on somebody, all this kingdom I give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Are we not getting this? Satan
1: value God's worship in Him more than owning the world. Can we get an understanding what this is about that we can't dodge relationships, we can't run and go hide under a rock because we don't want relationship. It is the only thing that will raise us up out of the earth to meet Jesus in the air is Relationship. That's all he's focused on ever since the beginning. And so, he thinks
0: about us all the time. God is always thinking about you. Can you imagine that? You never th- stopped to think about that, did you? Right now, right now, right now, God is thinking about you. Look at Tony. It's my boy. love him so much. Man, all the things I'm going to do in his life, all the things, all the plans that I have for him. Y'all got plans for Zoe and, and 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 your kids. You got plans for them. All of you that have kids and you're any kind of parent, you have plans for them. So you better than God? Let me wipe my face on that. You got all the plans for them. They're going to be this. They're going to be that. You're going to take care of them like this. going to take care of them like that. If you can make those plans for your kids and you got a whole lot of flaws and make a whole lot of mistakes and God is all powerful and perfect. What do you think he's thinking about you? He's got plans for you. Plans for you. And so God is letting us know this
1: morning that I've got plans for you. I think about you all the time. The plans that I have for you is constantly on my mind. And the quicker you will respond to me and let me show you, the better things will be because I have plans for you. Can you imagine having plans and just keep putting them off?
0: God said, I have plans for you. He's thinking about you. His mind is on you. But let me ask you this question. How much are you thinking about God? There lies the problem. There lies the problem, Brother Teddy. Our challenge is we are poor at relationship. All we can see God as, we use people for what we can get out of them. And that translated in our relationship with God. Oh, God loves me. So you don't do nothing to go to heaven. You just think, because he loved me, somehow it's going to work out because he loves me. Oh, God loves me. But you forget that a relationship can never be a good one if it's one-sided. Many people end up in divorce and we think, man, what happened? It was one-sided for a long time. <laughs> now, God don't divorce us, so don't get that twisted and say the preacher said, God, divorce you. No, know, He don't. But the point I'm making is we allow God to just be loving us and thinking about us and, and, and has great big plans for us.
1: And all we do is say, well, God's got it because he loves me. And we're being like children all of our life and never becoming mature.
0: Okay, back up on that so I don't lose you. If you live your life off of that God loves you, you're an immature child. I'm not talking bad about you. Go back parents to how you raise your children. When they can't help themselves, they need you to help them. And all they care about is me, me, me. Feed me. Put clothes on my back. Do my hair. All that stuff. They just want you to take care of them. Because they can't take care of themselves. So by right, that is right. But are you going to, when they get 15 and 16, and if they keep saying, come on now, feed me. Do this for me, do that for me? Are you, are you going to be happy with that when your 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 year old, 25 year old, 27 year old is telling you that you got to take care of me? You going to be happy with that?
1: Well, that's what we're dealing with with God when we know God loves me and He thinks about me all the time so I can just go on chill mode.
0: And God is wanting you to know this morning He loves you. And he thinks about you. The question is. Do you think about him. The way he thinks about you. He never
1: stopped thinking about you. He never stopped thinking about his plans for you. He never stops with what he has in store for you. He's constantly ready to unroll. And work it out for you to be successful. For you to be blessed. And experience the power of God. He never stops with the plan.
0: But the question is. What is your thoughts towards God? Do you think about him all the time like you think about you? My fellow brothers and sisters, I don't know, maybe all of us or most of us or some of us had an experience about having somebody in our life. And when it started getting good, you couldn't stop thinking about them. I remember, I don't think my wife ever heard this story, I remember, I'm taking my time because she never heard this story, I remember when I used to live on Newell Avenue when I was a young, young guy, my neighbors lived down the street, I think we, I'm trying to work it out, I'm trying to work it out right here. Um, One of the girls down the street, we was kind of all right, you know what I'm saying? Her mom and my mom was cool. They would come up from the bottom of the street. We go down to the they would come to the top of the street. We go down to the bottom of the street. It's a dead end street, and they still live on the street now. But daughter's gone now. Everybody all married, all so we all good now. But back in the day, we young people. And my mom had a phone down in the basement. No cell phones back in those days, people. It was straight hanging up phone. You know what I'm saying? It's a stable phone. I'm down in the basement, three o'clock in the morning.
1: You asleep? Nah, no, I ain't sleeping. You know you fell asleep. Didn't even remember hanging up that morning.
0: Four or five o'clock. You wake up like eight o'clock that morning, tired and busted. Why are you tired and busted? Man, you ain't hanging up from that person till like four or thirty in the morning. And then you couldn't wait till later on you catch up again. You all had some of that experience? Because I had some of that. You know what I mean? The, 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 I'm down in the basement. I'm sitting on top of the dishwasher, on top of the washing machines. I got so tired I started laying on the washing machines. If my mom when I came downstairs 4.30 in the morning like see laying on the machines. I'm trying to stay up, trying to talk to this girl. Now, we know that wasn't love, but what I'm saying is that relationship was so, oh my goodness, it was such full of excitement and draw and, and you was all into it. And and that's all you wanted to do. You wanted to see them people during the daytime and at nighttime you was on the phone all night long. That's back in the days, some of y'all young people don't know this, that. That's back in the days when your mom was on top of the game every once in a while, she'll pick up the phone. <laughs> Wayne, what you doing on the phone? And you get embarrassed. <laughs> Oh man, y'all, some of these young people, they don't know about that. Your parents answer, lift up the line and listen. And if you had a decent conversation, maybe they'll leave you alone if it's a good hour and, you know, if it's a good time of the day and you're not saying anything crazy. Okay. But if they pick it up like midnight, 1130, and they hear your voice, get off that phone, boy! If you got a nice parent... They, they pick up the phone, they hear it, and then they start coming downstairs. And you gotta be smart enough, too. You just hang up and just go into bed. <laughs> so, you know, you hear the queen, you hear you hear the steps, they, the steps making noise, they coming all the way down the stairs. So I hear my mom coming down, say, she must have listened on the phone. I just say, I gotta go. Hang up the phone and get in the bed. And she come down, I heard you on the phone. I ain't say one word. But, you remember those days. We kept thinking about that person. We always wanted to communicate with that person. And my question today, we know God thinks about us all the time. His mind is always on us. And the question is, how much is our mind on Jesus? Uh, how often do we think about him? Uh, how often do we seek to, to, to just work out the plan that he has for us and for our life? I, I, I want to know how often we think about God. Because we know we think about us. All the time. And his thoughts towards us are good thoughts. You got to understand, God never misses his way or forget anything.
1: So he's thinking about us all the time. He never forgets his plan. He never misses his way. He never missteps.
0: God is perfect in his ways and he's always thinking about you. Are we just going to be immature babies? Right now, here's another example. I do a lot of these, as you probably know by now. When my wife is driving with my daughter and they get somewhere, my daughter jump out of the car or the truck, whatever, and just go. When my daughter is driving with me, When I park, she still sits in the car because I have to get out and go open the door and help her down. She expects that. And my point for sharing that with you is she's six years old. Now, that's nice and sweet, and I'll probably do that. But the, the point is we can't just do that to God when there's business to be taken care of. God has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this and he's saying I've got a plan for you. Are you just going to sit in the back seat and wait for me to come get you every time? Or are you going to grow up and get out and say God what is our plan today because I'm here to help you with it. You are thinking about me all the time and I'm thinking about you all the time. That's relationship. For those of you that are not married yet if the dude ain't going to be thinking about you all the time don't think about him. Serious business. Don't be messing with no dude. I ain't thinking about you all the time. Tell him, listen, if you can't think about me all the time, I can't mess with you because God thinks about me all the time. He loves me and he thinks about me all the time. You may not always have a clear thought in your mind. You know, how sometimes we have thoughts, but they're not clear. We might not always have clear thoughts in our mind, but guess what? God's thoughts towards us are always clear. God's thoughts towards us are always precise and consistent. So we don't have to worry about, oh, I know God is thinking about me, but will he or how can he? Because God don't misstep and God's thoughts are always with us. Even when you find yourself going through some situation, God still think good thoughts towards you. The Lord hates sin, but his thoughts towards the sinner is still good. Don't mean you're going to get to heaven if
1: you live in sin. It just means God is so good to us that his thoughts towards us will always be a good thought. And he's hoping that because he's always thinking about us and good thoughts towards us, he's hoping that we will do the same to him.
0: The afflictions God allows you to go through are allowed out of his love. And so sometimes you go through stuff and you say, why God don't step in? Well, whatever it takes sometimes to get you going and to look and respond to God's love, respond to God's thoughts towards you. God is saying, well, maybe this is going to help you turn to me. And all I want is to have a relationship with you. God has no evil thoughts towards you, no matter what the situation. His thoughts towards you are always thoughts of peace. So the next time you get a dark, evil thought from Satan, because that's where it's coming from, any evil, dark thought that's coming your way, it's not from God. If it's wrong, it's not from God. You can't do wrong to get right and say, I was just trying to do what God want me to do. I'm not going to go into that, but trust me, seasoned Christians, this is for the seasoned Christians. Well, maybe not for the seasoned Christians, maybe for everybody. But sometimes we try to do wrong in the name of God because we're trying to get right. That is impossible. It's erroneous. It don't work. You have to do right at all times, even when it costs you and pain you. It's the only way God accepts it. It's the only way God plan will work out, is if we go through and do right by God. Don't listen to the devil telling you any dark, evil things and say, well, you know, just understand that if you do this, it'll be fine. It'll make things work out for you. Don't don't listen to the devil. You got to say, get thee hence Satan. The Bible says that he has thoughts of peace towards us. So not only did God says he thinks about us all the time, but he has thoughts of peace towards us. How do you have peace in all of this turmoil? God says his thoughts are peaceful towards us. So just think about that. If if his thoughts are thoughts of peace, then it means that it's always something good for you. It's always something good for you. Thoughts of peace. Here I am. I'm, I'm getting very close. And so, God is always thinking about us. His thoughts are always good thoughts towards us. His thoughts towards us are always peace, peaceable thoughts towards us. Then he says, and there will be an expected end. Now that's where we are. The Lord's expected end for us is a glorious one. It's a future of hope. And great promises. He will perform a good work in our life. God is wanting to perform a good work. In your life. I watch. How we enjoy. What we want. And we don't enjoy what God wants. And that's why the good work of God can't get done in our life because we enjoy what we want more than what God wants. God's dealing with us works good in our life in every way. We just have to trust him. Our troubles may drive us to our knees sometimes. And we might look at it as something bad, but
1: if God allows it, it's for our good. The Bible says all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And I'm here to tell you today, whatever is going on in your life, because God thinks good thoughts towards you and peaceable thoughts towards you. God is saying this situation will work good in your life if you let it.
0: Listen to this. If it had not been for Esau, Jacob would have never wrestled with that angel of the Lord. You know what happened in that story? Jacob deceived his brother Esau. Stole the birthright. When Esau found out, Esau said, I'm going to kill you. As soon as dad die, I'm killing you. And Jacob went on the run. Then on the run... He realized, or on his way back to his, pe- his country, he heard, Esau is coming after you. He was so scared. That joker began to pray and says, God,
1: I need you. And sometimes God is allowing things in our life to say to get us to a place where we're going to say, God... I need you. And I'm here to tell you this afternoon that either you can willingly surrender to God and let his plans for your life unveil or God is going to cause Esau to come after you and you're going to get fearful and you're going to get nervous and your situation will get complicated and the only way you will be able to get out is when you say, God, I'm afraid Esau is coming and I will be destroyed. God, will you help me? You got
0: two choices. You either let the situation move you because you won't listen to God. Or you just go volunteer and say, God, you have good thoughts towards me. You have plans for me. You have an expected end for me. And so that's what I want. We can either do it that way or God will just leave you alone. And let you keep on making a mess in your life and make you keep on doing crazy things in your life. And sooner or later, when you
1: find yourself in a really bad spot, you're going to cry out to God.
0: But I never trust that way. You want, you don't want to know why I never trust that way. There are people that died in their sins because they just allow themselves to keep doing wrong and it kept going down and down. And by the time that last hand came and says, come on, get it together. You know what they say? I just can't. I'm tired. I'm tired. That's where we find ourselves. If we sometimes allow God to leave us where we are because we won't respond to God. After a while, I'm tired. Just leave me alone. And we find ourselves in a place where we can't get out of, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and torment forever and forever because we stayed where we are. And when it was, when, when the last ditch effort, come on,
1: you can get out of here. I'm tired
0: because you let that weight, the weight of wrong, the weight of sin and the weight of selfishness and the weight of just you wanting your way. It just weighed you down so much that you didn't care how badly you were going to just be punished for the rest of your life for all eternity. You didn't care anymore. You just, I don't care.
1: I want to respond to God while I'm able to. I want to respond to God's thoughts and plans towards me and his peace that he thinks towards. I want to respond to that and not have to be
0: in a situation to, to say, oh God, help me. I don't want to be in a situation to say, oh God, help me. Here's where we're going. Now I'm finished. Many of the most earnest prayers that ever was raised to heaven came from us when we were in bondage and under grief. If you don't pray now, sooner or later you will pray. Bondage and grief will certainly get you because we live in a world that is full of bondage and grief. Oh yes. Yes. We must thank God for the trials. But you better do your best. To not allow that the trial have to come for you to get it right. When God is getting ready to do something in your life. He stirs up things. So you start praying. Let me tell you this. I'm closing. God has things ready to just pour out in your life. But it. It, it has to be, it has to come through a request. So here is God having stuff, but he's saying, until you request it. Let me give you an example. In our organization, there's a, in, in our division, I remember there was a grant given to one of the churches in our district. A $25,000 grant. And here's what they told me as the director. they says Wayne, there's a $25,000 grant for this church. We're putting it in your possession and not until that church requests
1: it can they get it. That's legal procedure. God has some things stored up for you, and it's not until you request it can you receive it. And so sometimes we're walking around saying, uh, Well, God knows, uh, and God is saying, yeah, but I need you to request it. I need you to say what you need. I need you to ask, and it shall be given. I need you to seek and you shall find. I need you to knock and the door will open. God is looking for people that will request what belongs. Yes. The prodigal son.
0: I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of the Because y'all know when God started talking to me about stuff. I'm, I just got to go now because I can't handle it. The prodigal son.
1: His inheritance was his. He didn't get it.
0: Until he requested it. the oldest brother he didn't request his God is teaching us something it's a, it's a lesson I'm trying to show you that God is all about we're sitting around wanting
1: God to just say because you know my mind God won't you do it and God has said no no We're in this together. It is a relationship. I'm working and you need to work. And until you request it, because it's when you request it, do you know that you have to do it. It's when you request it will you become responsible to execute it. Who requests something and does nothing with it? Even the prodigal son did something with his stuff. It wasn't right, but he did something with it. So when you request it, you request it for a purpose.
0: I'm done. The Lord's expected end for us is that we return to Him and enter into right relationship with Him. Until we return to God and have right relationship, request the things that God has in store for us. We won't... Understand, we won't. We won't understand the 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 expected end that God has for us. We have to do our part in the situation where we, we we we're entering in relationship with Him, and we're saying to God, God, I want what you entitled for me to have. An expected end. Listen to the definition as you stand with me. Listen to the definition of expected end. The word end is important. Listen to the definition of the word end. It means, obviously, last. Right? The end of something is the last of something. So when God says your expected end, he's saying the last part of your life. But then the definition also talked about the requested the expected end is about the prosperity that God has stored up for you. Can I tell you living for God part of living for God is like investments. Anybody ever invest? Living for God it is 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 investments, and so how that work is you never try to take the investment out until it's mature, right yes but you they tell you the longer you leave it in, the better it doesn't matter how the market goes just leave it it'll be fine, and when we talk about the end of something, when we're talking about it with God, we're talking about the maturity of Your reward. And so God is trying to let us know. That he has a reward for us. He he has prosperity for us. He has for us a reward. And then the last definition I looked at when it says end. Because again you got to get the translation to get the real meaning of why it says end. And the end of something means the future of something.
1: So while we're thinking something is finished, done, kaput, no more,
0: God is saying, "Oh no, that may be the end, but I have to stop something to start something." Come on, somebody help me today.
1: We want to start things because of our life. That's crazy. We want to get involved in every. I do this. I do. This. Oh, I want to do everything.
0: Oh, yeah, how are you going to do all that when you didn't? Stop doing that. Jesus has been dealing with me me on this topic all week long. Take this and write it down. Hold it in your head. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and the Lord pause. If my people who are called by my name. Shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And then he emphasized in my heart. And turn. From their wicked ways. His response was. Then I will hear from heaven. And heal their land. Here is God's deal with us. Something has to stop. So he can start. Yes. Amen. Me and you and so many others have prayed great prayers that never got answered. Because while we were praying them, we were doing wrong. And God says, oh, you're praying. But I told you I will only hear from heaven and heal your land when you turn. When you stop. And so if you're waiting for that great blessing and that great reward and the outpouring of God's spirit and the power of God working in your life. God is saying you need to stop before I can start. That's what the expected end is all about. Stop. Those children of God was in
1: captivity. They were in bad places And God says I want I still think good thoughts towards you I think thoughts of peace towards you I've got plans for you I've got an expected end for
0: you But that's my expectation If you don't have the same expectation As God If you don't join in with God With an expectation then, Then guess what God only have those expectations and nothing gets done. You have to stop whatever you're doing that's not pleasing to God so God can start. Why don't you take the next two minutes, whether in your seat or will you come to the front. And I need you to pray today because God is preparing you for your expected end that he has for you. God has an expected end for you and he is preparing you for that the question is will you take that time and go to God for God to align you align you with what he has for you what what the expectation of your end is will you now come in alignment with what God has for you don't let this be another message another church service. God brought you here today to let you know He thinks good thoughts towards you, thoughts that are of peace,
1: and He has a plan for your life. He wants before you leave this world, He does something great to prepare you to meet Him in the air. He does something wonderful
0: to get you to a place where you can spend eternity with Him. But
1: until you stop, God cannot start the plan. Until you turn, God can get the plan
0: established and implemented. And so today, if you want the plan of God to be implemented
1: in your life. Today, if you want to see God's expected end begin to unfold in your life in preparation for the end. Ha. Oh my God, will you call on him right now. He said if you call on me now I will hear you He said if you seek me With all your heart I will respond to you And so this is your time For God To do what he wants He wants to start his plan But you have to make that request Not until you make the request Can he release (laughs) Oh God I pray That you will begin to release as soon as they turn Lord as soon as they turn for every person in this room as soon as you tell God I'm stuck I'm I stop. As soon as you tell God, Lord, I'm turning right now. As soon as you say it, I pray in the name of Jesus that God will let the plan begin to unfold and flow into your life. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will allow the plan to begin to unfold and flow just as they turn, just as they stop from all of what they're doing, from all of what they're Doing, I pray in the name of Jesus that today God you will do exceeding and abundant above whatever they can even ask or think in the name of Jesus Christ. Just one moment will you sincerely communicate your feelings. Will you communicate to God that you want his will to be done. You want the plan of God to unfold in your life and that you will turn. God, I will turn, I will turn, I will stop, so you can start, my God, in the name of Jesus, oh, hallelujah, 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 in the name of Jesus, oh, Father, touch us in a special way today,